Welcome back to Division One Rejects, episode 119. I'm your host, Kobe Manso. Joined by, what do you got on, Subway Series? Yeah, right. That's MLB shirt. Got a little Yankees uh, Mets going on here. Oh. That's Gavin over in the chair. Explain your hat to the to the fans as well. It is a San Antonio Missions hat. It's a double-A yeah. affiliate of the Padres. Yeah. He's decked out baseball tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Any reason for that? Just because. No, just, just happened to happen. Just happened to happen. Well, we're here for it. Uh, tonight, we've got a great guest for you. That being Corey Curtis. He's a quarterback who shared a quarterback room with names such as Joe Burrow, JT Barrett, the late Dwayne Haskins. A lot of big-time names over there at Ohio State. Uh, he was with the Buckeyes, transferred down to Bryant, a Division One FCS program. And then uh, we know him. You may say, hey, this is Division One rejects, not Division One quarterbacks. He went to Gannon University in the PSAC, absolutely balled out for the Knights. That's a Division II squad over in Erie, Pennsylvania. We're going to talk to him all about his current situation, trying to find a roster spot, whether that be XFL, USFL, NFL. The dude's 6'4", 235. You'll find out he's a very cerebral player. He's got arm tailing out the ass. Kind of hard to imagine he doesn't find somewhere to land, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. But excited to talk to Corey. If you're here for that conversation on YouTube, use the timestamps, bottom of the screen, drag yourself over to that conversation, get the hell out of here. Otherwise, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. I was out of breath because I was saying it so fast. The timestamps will be listed in the bottom of the episode as well. So fast forward to any portion you'd like to listen to. But... Otherwise, today, we got more than just Corey. We got D2 players making waves in the NFL preseason. Preseason games continuing. A lot of D2 guys. We'll check out some clips here later. Uh, making some really big plays. Always excited to see that from our perspective. We've got uh, reactions to other, uh, I should say overreactions, to other uh, week one preseason stuff. How the rookie quarterbacks played. How maybe some Lions guys did some big draft picks. Are they busts? Are they dogs? There's literally no in between. Uh, we're going to talk about the new blindside beef from Michael Orr. And the movie that uh, I think tricked a lot of people. Yeah, tricked right? a lot of people. Tricked me. Tricked me. Had me fooled a little bit. <laughs> yeah. More than a little bit. But we're going to talk about that beef and uh, the legal action that is being taken by Michael Orr, the star of that uh, football classic. Finally, some NFL free agent running backs finding new homes. Dalvin Cook to the Jets. Zeke to the Patriots. His last play as a Cowboy, snapping in the, and then getting plowed into the turf. Ah. <laughs> uh, a lot of great stuff tonight. Like I said, as always, watch it on YouTube. Don't forget the timestamps. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit us up on the socials. And uh, let's get right into that first conversation with Corey Curtis. <laughs> Join the show tonight. A man who shared a quarterback room with some wild names. Joe Burrow, JT Barrett, the late Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State. We know him, though, from his time at Gannon University. He was slinging that thing in the PSAC. He dominated for the Knights. His name is Corey Curtis. Corey, what's going on, man? How are you? Um- Good. How about you? Thanks for having me on. Doing all right. I didn't build any uh, barn doors today, but still had a pretty eventful day, I think. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I had a crazy day. <laughs> That's, is that like a just like a summer gig for you? Or is you, you said helping out the wife or what? Yeah, I was just helping out her family. It hasn't been done a little bit. It was dry rotten at the bottom, so I decided to help them. Hey, all-around guy. You are an all-around player, though. You were the quarterback, obviously, but then I'm reading and uh, – Punter moves home to Australia when you're at Gannon, and you just fill in, start booting balls, even kick some uh, extra points too. Yeah, had a good time with it. I had fun doing whatever I can do to help. Were you win. just a punt, pass, and kick kid growing up, or how the hell do you just walk into that? Yeah, so I did that, and that's how I traveled out of Ohio State. I was one of the backup punters, so really, uh, yeah. So um, it was something that I've always been kind of good at, and something 
there was a quarterback in our area before me, um, and he was quarterback, and he punted. He went to Virginia, and so I kind of like emulated myself. Kurt Ben Kurt, he played for the Packers, yeah. so uh, kind of did like the same type of thing as him. Just worked on it, and I was decent at it. Man, hey, whatever gets you on the bus, right? That's pretty sweet. It's a I never yeah. I don't really hear about that a whole lot, but. Uh, I guess right off the top, man, what's the latest with you? I saw working at what was it called the Grids Camp yesterday, just trying to find different opportunities to go out and uh, just show your stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was a uh, it was a good camp. Um, went out there. Um, it was one of the first camps where like we did like seven on seven and stuff like that, and that's like where I'm able to show what I'm good at. Um, uh, one of the coaches like was for the New Orleans team was. Uh, he was like, hey, you know what, just hit this comeback out here. And I was like, hey, coach, they're in zone. Like, I'm going to hit the middle read right here, the middle triangle. And he was like, I didn't even know you knew, like, about that, like, type of stuff. And I was <laughs> that's, like, I'm thankful to be able to showcase that, like, I'm smart about football. Um, and now I'm actually on his radar, and he likes me. So good. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah. 6'4", 235, and decent brain, huh? Yeah. I'm just again. I do my little research. I'm looking at stats. I'm like, shit. Like those two numbers alone, you would think would be enough to just like get your foot in the door. And then on top of that, show off the arm talent. And you know, here we are. We learn that the kid's actually he's smart and he's a cerebral player too. You would think that that's enough to at least get your name in uh, a couple people's you know places. Yeah, I just need an opportunity. Um, I had one coming out of the draft. Uh, my agent told me to wait on it, and they end up signing somebody else. Uh, so. <sighs> Like a missed opportunity, waiting for another opportunity. I got you. Um, is what it is. Yeah, tough. And hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? So you never know uh, when you're in that situation what's going to go on. But talk about uh, there's a lot of guys just like you in this same situation looking for opportunities. What is it like this time of year, especially as teams are all in training camp and preseason and uh, moving forward? What is this time of year like for guys in that uh, in that spot? Yeah, uh, so it's tough. Um, it's the first time in my life where everybody else is playing football and I'm not. Um, and it's, it's frustrating for sure, especially when you know you can do it and you, and, uh, you don't want to be like a hater and like, but I got want everybody to do good, but like, it's still like frustrating. Like, man, you know, I can go out there and do that same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Cause like, especially with all the guys I've been training with in Florida, like Mike White, uh, he's playing for the Dolphins, Chris Lodequin, he's the other quarterback playing for the Chiefs, uh, MVS. I mean, there's all the guys we're training with all 30 of us are. I'm 29 are playing in the NFL in the preseason games, and I'm the only one that's not. You're kidding. So it's just frustrating, but it is what it is, you know. I'm yeah. just going to keep working and waiting on my opportunity. Mike White had a, a streak there a couple weeks last year. He might have been the face of the damn league for about two and a half weeks. Yeah, he deserves it. I mean, he's a yeah. great guy. He can sling the rock. Hell yeah, he can. He was, he was dealing, man. But um, how about your journey to Gannon? Like we talked about in the intro, you start as a walk-on at Ohio State, out of Florida. You had a decent amount of offers, but chose ultimately to go to the Buckeyes. Transferred to Bryant, actually, before making your way to Gannon. I didn't know there was that middle point in between. Um, and then you ended up in Pennsylvania, which, first of all, how did the, uh, how does the Florida kid get used to uh, the weather up there in Erie? Yeah, it was awful. Um <laughs> I just basically stayed inside and watched movies. Uh, <laughs> so it was like one of those things. I just had to get used to it. Yeah. When you weren't watching movies, you were throwing touchdowns. You had 27 of them your senior year, four interceptions. That's a, it's a pretty fucking good ratio. A lot of yards on top of that. But, uh, you know, talk about that senior year. You were there for two um, and the, or sorry, three, two or three. Two. It was two. Okay. You were there for two. You got even better, and you, uh, you know, the record got better, right? You guys had that upset against IUP. You won some really big time games. You finished around what eight and three that year. Mm-hmm. Puts it, put that, uh, put that school on the map. And not to say they haven't been a a, a great football team in the past, but uh, in recent history, it's 
you know, success has been hard to find over there. Yeah, for sure. Um, the first year was definitely like a learning curve. Um, it was like the first time I've ever been to a team that uh, was, didn't have like uh, a tradition. Um, okay. So like, uh, I think that was like part of my journey. Part of like why God put me on that path is like to help try to like learn how to build, how to like instill traditions and instill good values and everything like that in the people around me. So like, um, I think that's something that like my head coach there, Coach Rayburn, he allowed me to do that. Um, helped allow me to lead workouts. Um, let me call my plays. Like he let me call the offense my senior year. Wow. Um, he just believed in me uh, in every aspect of the game. Uh, and so I think that helped um, the team get behind me and rally behind me. And I think that allowed me to realize that like, hey, these guys got my back too. Like we're, it's not my first year. I was definitely a little bit trying to do everything due to a little bit too much. And then I got comfortable my senior year and it was, we put together, we put together something special. We fell a little bit short, but we had something there. Yeah, man. hundred percent. And you know, the calling your own place piece. I don't think people realize that like how rare that is like at any level of football, you know, even yeah. in the NFL, you pay offensive coordinators and play callers a hell of a lot of money to do that. Um, and yes, there's a lot of players at that level that can certainly do that and command a drive. They have to in certain points in the game, but division one, division two, especially I would wager that you were probably one of the, if not the only dude, um, doing that on a consistent basis but cerebral guy huh we know that now yeah um it wasn't just like making audibles like literally we'd get a formation like sure. like that's what like a lot of the coaches i was talking to were like he was like oh well, you just made audibles i was like no sir like he'd give me a formation and like i would have to pull out okay it's okay we got third and short they're probably going to be bring sam edge off the pressure off to the boundary to the field and all those type of stuff and um just call like pin and pull or to the boundary or something like that. So literally everything. Yeah. Um, but my head coach, he prepared me for it and he did a great job doing all that. I love that, man. Um, talk about, at least just curious, because you go and you hit these like tiers as far as the divisions go football-wise, moving down. How drastic of a difference in play did you notice going from OSU to a Bryant and then from Bryant to a Gannon, um, making those adjustments mentally and like schematically and also just with the athletes that uh, you're around? Yeah, so um, I was at Bryan for, like, the COVID semester, so, like, I didn't I didn't even, like, I played in two or three games. Yep. I transferred in late. Uh, it was – the talent there was – it was obviously decent, but I think I, – I know the talent in the PSAC was better than the who we were playing at, at, at the FCS level, which is okay. crazy to say because wow. it's D2 and D1, but uh, the IEP, Slippery Rock, Cal, like, those teams beat most of the teams that we were playing. Yeah. Okay. Um, Shepard. Um, so <clears throat> the talent. Um, also, they're a little bit bigger, actually. So, like, the drop-off is really just the O-line, D-line. But, like, yeah. at Gannon, our O-line, D-line was bigger bigger than our at Bryant. There was – the depth was way better. Yep. Um, obviously, at the FCS level. And then I had I had some great receivers, like, honestly, around me. Like, they made it easy. <laughs> I love so. that. And I think – I think that is the main point people usually because everyone thinks they think about the skill positions, but I do think um, a lot of coaches know that and they talk about that like the trenches is where it's at. Like when you're moving up levels, like that's where the difference is made is in those that front five or that front whatever your front looking like. Like that it was a real deal, huh? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then like like I mean, I went from going against in practice against the starting defense at Ohio State with Nick Bosa and Draymond Jones and like. <laughs> Sam Hubbard and all those guys to going against. So the, obviously there's a huge difference, but yeah. like 
that's not the, the the DBs are not that big of a difference. Like the safeties aren't that big of a difference. The middle linebackers, like I went against Jerome Baker. He runs a four four as a middle linebacker. That's different than the middle linebackers I'm facing at the PSAG or the FCS level. That is a what we call a mutant. Uh, we had one of those on our team this last year, Jake Witt. I don't know if you saw it. He got drafted to the Colts out of Northern Michigan, but uh, we'd always tell him like. Buddy, we don't know what you're doing here. You were made in the lab somewhere, and uh, I think you just got dumped because you have no business being here. You have a couple guys like that. And the thing is, most of those guys end up on teams like Ohio State or, you know, some of those other squads. So, that's definitely – that's interesting. I have a receiver that's going to be – he'll end up getting drafted next year probably. His name's KV. He's he's like real deal. Truth. Okay. I remember that. Um, Talk about the PSAC a little bit, though, and something Mm -hmm. that I guess is – is very interesting to me is the depth. Because I think when you talk about the GLIAC, um, our league, you look at, okay, you've got Ferris and GV at the top, which are like national contenders every year, and then there's definitely a drop-off. And now you've got Davenport and Saginaw that are kind of making a conversation, but I feel with the PSAC that the depth throughout is a lot stronger than most other conferences in Division Two. I mean, you just rattled off a bunch of a bunch of names of teams that potentially could all be in title contention this year in their respective sides of the division. Was that kind of the thought when you were there as well? Yeah, I, the depth is definitely there. Um, even like the teams that are like not necessarily considered good, like Seton Hill, like no one even probably knows who that is, but like their defense was legit. Um. They only allowed four touchdowns all year, but oh. like you're not gonna hear about them because their offense wasn't very good. Like, yeah. Seton Hill was legit. Um, uh, Westchester was pretty good, but like the the reason I think like the transfer portal has made D two football way better because like there's all those transfer portal players that can't find a Division one spot, they can't find a scholarship spot, so now they're coming down to D two to get money, mm-hmm. and you get more more like of a clock, and yeah. they're making D two a lot better. Yeah, for sure. I do see a lot of that actually. Now that you say that, like. Guys that are only D2 eligible, they'll say, like, on their tweets because their D1 clock has run out. I guess I've just never understood the dynamics of that, um, not being, like, a D1 guy myself. How exactly does that does that work? So, like, um, at the Division One level, the second you sign, like, your clock starts. Okay. Uh, at the D2 level, it's only by semesters. So, uh, okay. if you take a semester off, you can play the next – like, if you take your spring semester off because you're at 11 semesters or whatever. Gotcha. And you take your spring semester off the next fall, you can play. Yeah. So there's like ways around to play more football and stuff like that. And that's kind of like what's happening is like those old heads that are on the transfer <laughs> portal are kind of transferring um, down just to get some fo- football in. Dude, old heads is exactly what they are. We had a wide receiver for a totally different reason. We had a wide receiver um, two years ago that was 27 years old playing on our squad. That's crazy. <laughs> we had a guy that played went uh, when I was at Ohio State. We had a guy that went and was in the Army, went overseas, came back and was on our team. <laughs> he's walking on our team that's crazy he was old too he was like 27 28 like what is going on this guy my guy yale i mean i can name drop him yo van dyne he played uh juniors hockey in minnesota and then um so that's like a couple years of obviously your clock doesn't start you're not even in school and you're just out playing hockey and then ends up getting on the college football scene then you've got red shirt and medical years and all this stuff adds up and then you're a 27 year old wide receiver and we used to joke that he was like Braun in the training room after every practice, like iced <laughs> on the knees and everything like that, bro. He was falling apart. <laughs> I love it. Um, but uh, if we can stay on PSAC, who's taking it all this year? Uh, that's tough. I mean, like, I'm it is. not going to say my boys. My boys. I Like, I know I left. I know that our our defense coordinator left. Um, but we, there's this guy named uh, Nate. Uh, he's real deal. Uh He's fast. He can sling it. Um, and then 
the defense, they just got older. They didn't really yeah. lose anybody. Yeah, uh, not Chris only did Collins they lose Martin. the defensive coordinator, he went to Oklahoma State, correct? <laughs> yep. That is State. a freaking jump that I don't think enough people talked about. That You never see that happen. Almost never. I shouldn't say never. It's, but He is like one of six people in the whole country that runs that the defense that he runs. So he okay. runs like a three-high safety defense that yeah. can roll into anything and like no one else can teach it. So, uh he it's a it's an amazing defense. Uh, it's hard to go against in uh, practice. Yeah. It made looks different, um, but there's just Chris Farnsworth on defense. He's gonna be real good, Gannon. Um, other than Gannon, though, like can't really ever count on Slippery Rock or IDP or Shepard. So. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna talk about some Shepard guys later on uh, tonight's show who have uh, been playing in the preseason. So that'll be exciting. Talk about guys like Bajent and Fisher and Ronnie Brown and and those kind of guys who made the jump this year. But um, one of our sponsored athletes from the pod, Bryce Bears. I don't know if you're familiar with that name. Coming down from New Mexico State, he's a quarterback that's going over to Gannon. That uh, I know he's pretty excited to be down there. So it'll be good to see, like, hopefully some healthy competition between those two. He's a guy that, um, out of high school, just, it sounds like, you know, talking to him, maybe had uh, the coaches told him one thing, ended up being a different piece. And like you said, now is coming back down to the Division two level to, to get a better shot. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised for uh, for that squad to to make some noise here. I'm excited to, to excited to watch him, man. Definitely, yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, sure. Oh yeah, I heard about I heard about him though. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, he's in camp right now. Yeah, they are. I haven't talked to him in a little bit, but um, you had tweeted about uh some potential XFL workouts coming in the coming uh the months here. Can we? Is that uh need to know basis or can we can we know about those? Um, I'm not allowed to say like who's with right now. Um, okay, okay, that, that's like, all I gotta say. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. Leave it right at that. Yeah, but there's a couple that's came came, came along the ranks. Good, good. So, yeah, don't sound too cool. excited about it, but you know it's cool. No, I'm I'm excited. About it. <laughs> I'm just I'm messing, buddy. No, that's awesome, dude. That's that's gotta feel great too, especially like you said right now. Like this is the first time that everyone's playing football and you're not, and to be detached like that, all of a sudden it's gonna put a new emphasis on like like how bad do you want it, right? Like now you have to work. When you don't know if there's something at the end, um, you know, you might not be working towards something. You have no guarantee. So that's got to feel good to just have something on the schedule, something to work towards. Definitely. Um, and it kind of like I was kind of getting down about it, honestly. Yeah, um, I bet. And then just came out of nowhere. So it's just a blessing. That's great, man. For sure. Now, pro day wise, um, at least I had read it was it was tough for you to to get into one. I know for a lot of guys at this level. It's tough because most D2s don't host them. Now, in the GLIAC, we're lucky because we have uh, Grand Valley and Saginaw are both pretty religious in, in hosting their own pro days, and some other teams around here are. But uh, it sounded like you did get the chance to go to, was it Duquesne's pro day? And yeah, then it sounded like you, you showed out there. Let's talk about that experience a little bit. Yeah, uh, so it was exciting. Um, no one wanted to let me in. Uh, Coach <laughs> State was like, yeah, I'll let you in at Ohio State. But, you know, CJ has his pro day, so I'm not going to go to that one. Good luck. Um <laughs> yeah, and then so I hey, here's like, CJ, and then uh, hey, here's my boy Corey over here. Everyone, uh, take a take a peek at my man. Yeah, that would have been cool, but like you know, yeah. can't do that. Um, and then so then the Steelers got me into the Duquesne one. Sweet. Uh, it, it was an awesome opportunity. I killed it. I did good. Uh, missed one throw. Um, uh, but completed the pass. Did the ball eighty four yards on one of them. Um, so yeah, it was exciting. At those pro days, is there ever a moment like? Everyone loves the fucking clips of, like, the dudes just cocking back and throwing one sixty yards. Is there ever a moment where they're like, who's your fastest guy over here? Run down the sideline. I want to see how far this kid can throw a pigskin. <laughs> yeah, no. So, no, the way I, mean, I, was my, 
I was doing my script, and um, actually, so what happened is uh, we told the kid to run a post. Um, okay. And my coach told me to do because so I, I was like, he was like telling me what forward to do and everything like that. I was supposed to do a seven step drop, but he told me to do uh, like the Zach Wilson fake play action roll out and throw the oh, ball. Okay. So that's what I did. Just slung it out there, and then no one was like even. I felt like really paying attention until that point, and then the, afterwards they actually after asked me to stay afterwards, and four teams worked me out afterwards. So interesting. Um, it was a good experience. Yeah. Um, nothing came of it yet, but. I've been talking to a couple teams still. It's Good. like, that's just one of those things. Yeah. And that's something too, like even heading into preseason and things like that, there's still hella moves being made. And the quarterback position is honestly probably one of the least of those, but it still happens. You know what I mean? Especially I think running yeah. back might be one of the most prevalent or obviously offensive linemen and defensive backs are, are two positions that teams can literally never get enough of. And there's so many transactions that get made um, even at this time of year. But uh you know, we know you'll definitely land somewhere. I'm excited to see where that is and hear about those XFL, those undisclosed XFL workouts that are coming here uh, down the pipe shortly. But uh, that's all I got for you, Corey. I really appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Did you get that uh, buck behind you on the wall there? I forgot to ask. No, no, no. That's that's where Pops. Okay. Okay. Hey, that's shout out turkey, Pops. Though. Okay. She that's you in the back. Turkey. No, that's her. She killed that turkey. Oh, she did it. Yeah, my wife did. Oh, you got to get something up on the wall, man. I know it. <laughs> but seriously, I appreciate you, man. Excited to see where you land. Thank you. I appreciate it. Of course. Have a good one, dude. Appreciate Corey coming on. Had a great time talking to him. Hope to see him making some preseason plays, whether that be next week or next year. Never know. But this time around, we've got some D2 guys that have been making uh, their own noise, respectively, Gavin, the D2 uh, out of the D2 ranks, I should say, at the NFL level. The first of which is a quarterback who every Division II fan, I feel like, is familiar with. That being Tyson Bajan. He was a Harlan Hill winner back in 2021 from Shepard University. He's with the Bears. Now, the Bears played four quarterbacks in their uh, Week 1 preseason game. And uh, we'll talk about Justin Fields in a little bit and his <laughs> stat line that was interesting, to say in the least. But... He was four for five, 37 yards passing, had one uh, one pass that you know definitely didn't break the internet by any means, but uh, really solid, about 20-some yard completion down the sideline, a little back shoulder across. And um, you know, my Twitter was blowing up because I follow all the people that follow him. Mm-hmm. Um, but like pretty strong, pretty strong showing from him. Looked real super composed uh, and poised in the pocket. Definitely wasn't like I feel like that's the biggest thing for a quarterback from a smaller level school to go in there and just look poised and to like feel confident. Yeah. So uh, excited to see what, what he did. Uh, we had Caden Davis, the wide receiver from Northwest Missouri State. He is with the Cardinals, caught a touchdown pass in their preseason game, and that's cool that. an easy way to get yourself known. Um, that's a guy who I actually believe was signed to the Broncos initially and then uh, didn't end up making the cut in Denver, went and played with the US, in the USFL with the Panthers, and now is getting another shot in the league with the Cardinals. We hope that this time he sticks around. Love to see that. Gregory Jr., the DB from uh, Oshita Baptist. He's with the Jaguars, Jaguars, excuse me, right now. Had a forced fumble and a separate fumble recovery in their game, their preseason game. Um, there might not be a bigger defensive play that you can make than doing both of those things. I mean, tackles are great and all, but like to prove that you can go and knock the ball out and, and keep possession for your squad, that's pretty big time. So shout out to Gregory Jr. there, and then uh, Ronnie Brown, 
Another Shepard guy running back for the Bucks and a couple big time carries uh, in Tampa Bay. We'll see if he uh, sticks around with the Buccaneers. And there were three Shepard guys actually that got playing time that I saw. There may have been even more, but Joey Fisher, the offensive lineman from Shepard, who actually wasn't at the combine but broke the. He had the most bench reps out of anyone in this year's like class. How many? It was like forty. He, dude, that's ridiculous. It was insane. Dude, that's like a gym session for me. Oh, <laughs> yo, that's ridiculous. And he just did it in one sitting. And then get something walks off like it was nothing. But Joey <laughs> Shepard, or sorry, Joey Fisher from Shepard, excuse me, uh, playing for the 49ers over at Tackle. He got some good snaps in in San Francisco, or not in San Francisco, there on the road. Um, and then finally, Keelan Harris, the wide receiver from Oklahoma Baptist, uh, getting some reps in with the Atlanta Falcons. Just wanted to make sure we shouted out those guys and led the show off with that because it's just fun to see that these guys are getting those opportunities um, at the next level and not only getting them making the most of it because, um, you know, obviously they're popping up on my feed, so. Something had gone good, bad, or indifferent, right? You made yeah. some type of news. Um, otherwise, though, week one preseason. Justin Fields goes three for three with like 120 yards and a you know touchdown or whatever. Yeah. And now Bears fans collectively are all on their knees. It's ridiculous, dude. Like, as a fellow <laughs> NFC North fan, relax, please. Okay, I saw like oh, these dude. record predictions, and if the Bears are below one, people are losing their minds. Get out of here, dude. Uh, and I love that the stat, like not to be a hater, but the stat of like air yards traveled per ball, like the dump offs and like, and the, what's so hilarious about preseason to me though. And like, I play this game preseason is great. Like no matter how you spin it. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, um, and pardon my take actually was talking about this. I think on one of their more recent episodes, they hit it right on the head and they talked about how, okay, your team's winning, right? You're doing really well. You're like, Hey, we we got fucking depth. Yeah, like, we got dudes who can play. Like at no no matter what position, like these guys are dealing. We're gonna have a lot of great backups. Um, and then you're losing, and you're like, who gives a shit? These are just our ba- these aren't even our starters. That's what I'm saying it's just like, <laughs> dude, that's what I it's whatever you want. But... <laughs> I love that. That cracked me up. And then also like with the winning and losing, like Baltimore right now has that crazy streak it's of like, not losing any preseason games. It's like 24-0 or something. It's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah it's it ridiculous. is. I think it's 24. Yeah. It's absurd. It's, uh, so, if again, if your team's winning, you're like, we're freaking, we're like the Ravens. We don't lose in the preseason. That's yeah. awesome. But then you're like, oh, our team's losing. Like, okay, well, none of the good teams, like, win preseason. Like, the Chiefs, what are the Chiefs doing in the preseason? Yeah, it's just the third Jack shit. Who cares? Yeah. Okay. I love that. I think it's just funny because, like, watching preseason, like, as a fan like of a, of a team, you're mm-hmm. like, you just pick the best out of whatever the situation is and make that your reality, which yeah. is super funny. Um, CJ Stroud is a bust. Stetson Bennett is a dog. And that's that. Stetson Bennett is a dog. He played <laughs> extremely well. We love to see that. CJ Stroud is not a bust, but he did have a particularly yeah, not game. great outing. Yeah. No. Yeah. Which, I mean. It's just like first game and people are overreacting. Anthony Richardson was not perfect. That's a great – that's another one, too, that, you know, especially the only thing with me with with Anthony Richardson is that compared to Stroud, like, we weren't hearing everything about Stroud every week. We weren't hearing something about how he was amazing the entire facility. Yeah. Whereas Richardson, I I feel like there's been word out of their camp just about religiously every week about, oh, he's going to put the league on notice (laughs) this year. You know what I mean? I feel like we heard so much buzz about that. Mm -hmm. His interception was pretty bad. Yeah. It was like not even close. There's been a notorious amount of buzz uh, around the Colts for the first time in a while. Mm-hmm. Not not even, like good and bad, right? With the yeah. whole Jonathan Taylor situation, and now you talk about Richardson and going into that mix, and then like just what's going on with their ownership. And well, yeah, what did Jim Jim Ursay had like a crazy comment 
Like last he's had month. multiple. He's and had a, like, he's had a few. Talking about dude. He's had a few. That's I think this is the most that their organization has been talked about in quite not I shouldn't say quite some time, right? Not like it's pretty recent history, but in the past couple of years, this is the most they've been talked about. Not exactly all of it is great PR, but that must be their slogan over there is that uh, anybody talking about us is a good thing. <laughs> They're sticking with that. But we can talk about this man making uh, the preseason debut. That's Jack Campbell for the Lions. And Jack was the, as you can see here on the graphic from PFF, 90.6 PFF grade in week one of the preseason, the highest among all first-round rookies. Again, what are we going to say? Oh, oh. We yeah. got you're saying we got dudes. Dude, we got guys. What an amazing draft already, dude. Cemented himself. Like Campbell and the boys. They, 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 they draft. They, they know what to draft. They can't miss. No, they can't. And then if this would have said, hey, Jack Campbell had a 30.6 PFF ranking, we'd be like, he's a rookie. Give they, him time. He needs time. Serious. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I love to see this, but it's like we just need to. It's the same thing with preseason rankings. We uh, we just dropped it and we released. We're not going to go over on the show today, but the AFCA uh, initial Division Two preseason poll is out now, and I think maybe D- D3 as well. I'm not sure they do D3, but um, I posted a graphic about that, and I'm just so sick of preseason rankings. I post them because they get really good engagement, and it gets people riled up. Yeah. Um, but it's like it doesn't matter where you start in the rank. It's a preseason. You haven't done what he's done anything. It's just on paper. Like um, Yeah. An example of that is like uh, 2019. Michigan State basketball were number one in the country. Yep. And then from there, it just – and they were never one again. It's just I like – that year. Yeah. Preseason rankings, they're great to look at, and they're great for interaction. But, like, really, they – They were borderline blacklisted off the polls after that, too. Yeah. I feel like they didn't want to get it wrong. You know yeah. what I mean? They didn't want to get it wrong again by picking mm-hmm. them first. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's like it doesn't matter where you start – doesn't even matter like week one like it's whatever like it's what will you finish like and nobody nobody cares but like people get so riled up over so over funny. preseason rankings um it is funny but we can talk about the uh the star of the blind side Dude. right let me uh i'll pull up the tweet that you uh that you put in here um michael Orr is pursuing some legal action against the family that uh was depicted in The Blind Side, the movie that I'm sure all of us have watched and loved, like one of my favorite football, just classic films. And here's the kind of the headline right here from CNN. It says, former NFL player depicted in The Blind Side files to end, end excuse me, cons- conservatorship? Yeah, Conserv- conservatorship? Conservatorship? Yeah. There you go, man. He's filed a petition to end Sean and Leanne Tui's conser- conservatorship over him. It's a new word for me. Obviously, I can't fucking say it. <laughs> Or, or claims that the Tuies told him they were going to adopt him, but instead filed a conservatorship. I just butchered it again. Yeah, I'm saying it too many times now, and I'm messing it up. But, yeah, so bad. the difference being that, like, when you read the kind of the fine text of the story is that they claimed they were going to adopt him. Like, they didn't they do it in the movie? Yeah. Did they adopt him in the movie? Yeah, and they're like, they did. The, there's, like, that scene in the dining room, I think, and they're yeah. like, we're going to adopt you. and sign up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Nope. That shit never happened. Mm-mm. They said it was going to. It never did. Yeah. So, and then what's also being claimed, if, like, you read into this, I can click on the article and we'll read a little bit more about it, too, but what's also being claimed is that when this movie comes out, their family is profiting, obviously, a shit ton off of it. Um, guess how much, reportedly, allegedly, that Mike Laura made from it? Zilch. Big old donut. Nothing, dude. And if they, that really is the case, like, that is, that's terrible. Yeah, it's bad. And they, um, that's family awful. made, I think it was, like, 200000 off the movie. And then 1.5% of all, like, gross profit from it. It's and sick. then they donated money to uh, the mom's 
uh, charity foundation. Or really? So I was just like, dude. And the best part is that she got Sandra Bullock to play her weird yeah, ass and, in a movie. Yeah, win. That is a win. Sandra's awesome. Like, but, yeah. And it, <clears throat> the conservative ship is so weird because it's like... um. Yeah, I'd not, I've not. I've like literally. I've never it's, heard of that word um, until today. It's the same thing that happened to Britney Spears. It's really have somebody overlook your finances because you're deemed like. It's the word is I think it was like incapacit- incapacitated or something really? like that. And he was saying other stuff like in the movie they portrayed him like an idiot in the beginning. Absolutely. And oh, they played him off like, as a big dumbass. Apparently he was like, that's just not how it rolls. Like I was doing plays in school and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, like he couldn't like put together a, a sentence he in the read. He got like yeah. they show that scene the the teacher has the paper and he got an F. It's like, dude, he got yeah finessed. That's Hollywood, bro. That's bad. It had to be a real underdog story. They had to make him not be able to read <laughs> so that you would root for this kid. So you would root for. Like you really think this kid was getting picked on? He was massive, dude. Yeah, how tall was he? I, like tall enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, was, Look at his hat. He's huge. Football player, dude. And he come, anybody comes up to bowling him, he, he can just boof, mow him over. Like, what are they going to do? <laughs> a lawyer for the Tui family, for Sean and Leanne, uh, his name is Steve Faris. He says, uh, no comment, but they'll be issuing a statement on Tuesday. So that being tomorrow. So when this episode goes live, potentially you can hear from uh, the blonde lady in the sunglasses there smiling and her husband who allegedly um, have robbed this guy. Of a lot of cash. Dude, that's a smile of someone who just finessed Michael Orr out of mad amounts of cash for that movie, dude. Look at that. That's what it looks like, just man. Pumped. That's really what it looks like. Like, ha 200K. That's not a Sandra Bullock-ass smile. That's a, no. Dude. The shades are crazy. I, I can't wait to see the statement that comes out. It's yeah. going to be like, these accusations. That's wild. So Orr's petition to the court is asking for an order to show cause for failure to meet their required duties to provide regular accountings or to act in the best interest of their ward. Michael J. Orr. He became a ward of the state of Tennessee just before he turned 11 in 1996, soon after beginning living on the streets. That was before he got taken in by the family, uh, most of which people know because the story is so popular. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of just outlines their whole story here, but it says a quote here of the Tuohys who took no, quote, took no legal action in juvenile court to assume legal custody of Michael. Mm-hmm. Invited him over to stay at their house, took him on shopping trips, did those type of things. He's saying maybe it was maybe it was just a front. Huh. Yeah. That would be dirty, dude. He was saying that after he moved in with them, that the Tuis gave him legal papers he thought were necessary for the adoption. Signed where they told him to sign. But when he figured out after he signed it, unknown to him until after February 2023... So he just found out this February those weren't adoption papers or the equivalent of adoption papers. That's the petition staying is that he they tricked this this young boy into thinking that he was being adopted. Yeah, they didn't explain. It. I saw that they didn't explain it at all. There was like just sign here, just taking good. advantage of someone allegedly taking advantage of someone who in that situation was probably just so desperate to have like a family and a home. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's somewhere to go. That's insane. Man, that's awful. Yeah, it's bad. That is really awful. Um, kind of ruins the Yeah, and then getting experience. into some of the numbers in the movie, like right here, it says around September of 2006, the Tuohys negotiated contracts for the movie The Blind Side based on the book and uh, obviously based on Orr's life story for themselves and their two children through the Creative Artist Agency to each receive, quote, $225,000 plus 2.5% of all defined net proceeds. 
contingent on Orr signing, Michael Orr. The movie grossed more than $330 million, according oh, to the petition. Oh, my god! So, let's see. 330 mil. We're doing math. I got a calculator out. Oh, 330. That's six zeros. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we go times 0.025 is 2.5%. What do you think? What's your guess, dude? How much How much cash is that? Yeah, I got a D in math in middle school, so I'm not going to answer this. That's... <laughs> I'm not gonna even attempt, dude. It's eight and a quarter million dollars. Wow! <laughs> oh my yo! Yeah. So, and the thing is, that's not just one thing. It says here to each receive two hundred twenty-five thousand plus two point five percent. So take that and multiply it by four for the husband and the wife and their two children. That's thirty-three million dollars plus really another million for that initial bonus that they got. They took thirty-four million dollars off the top. Dude. That's not a small sum. Dude, highway robbery. That's like Bonnie and Clyde. That's bad. <laughs> That's bad. That is awful. I can't wait to see the response. I really can't. This says, too, there was another contract from April 2007 existing that, quote, let's see, I'm trying to do a little reading. It was signed by Michael Orr. It gave Orr, or it says, it in, in which Orr gives away his name, likeness, voice, etc., to the movie studio, Without any payment whatsoever. How was he swindled into all this? Dude. I guess it's just like, if you don't know what you're signing into, like, it could, dude, if I looked at papers and I was just told to sign them, I'm like, and I don't. Let's just get it over with. Okay, yeah. Well, just, I don't want to sign my name. Especially whatever. if you trust these people that you're with, yeah. right? Especially if you trust them. And he, he says here, or says he thinks the signature on the contract looks similar to his, but he's not sure if it was forged because he said at the time, or ever, he never willingly or knowingly signed a document that explained he'd be giving away his rights to his name and image, etc. So, could you imagine they forged oh, his signature? That would that be, would be a another, twist. That'd be another level, dude. There is levels to this shit. <laughs> there are levels. Oh my my gosh. So the petition is asking the family basically to provide a sworn accounting of the money belonging to or uh, that should have been paid to him beforehand. Um, yeah, it's. It's there, just wild. So. The whole thing, the whole thing is crazy news. But we hope that it all gets resolved, um, and he gets. You know, if this stuff is true, then he yeah. gets what he deserves and what he's owed by these people. Um, again, that's all alleged. There's no uh, ruling on that right now. So that's just the the things that are being reported. But what's also being reported in the NFL is that there's some free agent running backs finding some new homes. The uh, first of those being Zeke Elliott. He's lands with the Patriots on a one year deal, and. I won't lie to you. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't know if I should be doing jumping jacks. Like, if you're a Patriots fan right now, but uh, I, Zeke is not the Zeke that I feel like we kind of grew up. Yeah, that we watching. Um, not to say he's going to be a terrible back for them. Uh, it definitely will help uh, Ramondre Stevenson in the backfield over there and kind of decrease his workload. Um, but Zeke is not the guy to have 15, 20 carries a game. Like, also the NFL is not the type of league anymore that's going to give a RB like that twenty carries. It's no. not how it goes. Uh, it's not like a signing to write home about. But you know, it's just- no. Big name. And as, as you mentioned, his last play as a Dallas Cowboy was getting thrown into the turf. After he snapped, he played center for a snap and got absolutely <laughs> smacked. Uh, his one-year deal with the Patriots reportedly includes a $3 million base salary with a $1 million signing bonus that can be worth up to $6 million with incentives, nice. is what sources told Adam Schefter. Six. I mean, at this point in his career, it's not bad. You yeah. know what I mean? That's pretty good. Take so, good. yeah, exactly. 
I'll take six million. Well, he's got to hit some. He's probably got to yeah, hit some yeah. benchmarks. Um, I always wonder how <laughs> how like lofty those incentives are. I'd like to know. Like sometimes those get leaked, and you you see a lot of those. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you never do. It's kind of interesting. But yeah. what's also really cool is like there are some NFL teams out here out there that you might hear about that like will go out of their way to help guys hit their incentives. I always yeah. think that's pretty cool. That's pretty dope. Like leaving the game, he needs a couple more catches, and he's going to get paid like five hundred grand. You know what I mean? Something like um, I know like uh, Andy Reid was like pretty big on that. Um, wherever he's been, it's, it's, it's a really cool guy move to do that for your dudes. Yeah. The other running back finding home, that is Dalvin Cook, the New York Jets. Uh, not really a big surprise in this one, right? That's been circulating for a little bit, yeah. rumored. And what, just, what do we think about that? It's just like, dude, what are they? The Jets are like trying to assemble the Avengers, dude. It's dude. ridiculous. Yeah. Rodgers, Cook. It. His deal worth up to $8.6 million. That's what Ian Rappaport, Tom Pelissero are reporting today. And that's what it says right here, furthering New York's grand aspirations for the 2023 season in progress. He's a four-time Pro Bowler, released by the Vikings in June, and uh, finally got the deal done. Yeah, the Jets are looking. I don't know what to like. How do? What do you think the record's going to be? It's a great question. A lot of people thinking really good. Yeah. Now I would hope so. You still gotta. I mean, you think about their division. Their division is not a cakewalk. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Because that's what? Them, Patriots, Bills, and why am I blanking over there? Dolphins? Dolphins, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Is it the Dolphins? Yeah, I think it, it is. is. That's not a cakewalk division. No, it's not. No. I mean, it runs through Buffalo right now. Miami is poised to have a solid year. You just never know. And New England's never going to be a pushover. No. Right? As long as Belichick's there. So... Now they're talking to um, Aaron Rodgers. They add their fair of fair share of the former Green Bay Packers, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb. Billy Turner. I'm like, who Billy Turner? I haven't heard that name in a while. Um, and now you had said maybe there's the rumors of Devontae yeah, wanting saw, to head over I, I there. I can't remember what the source was, but um, there was this uh, rumor that a story's going to come out in the next coming weeks that Devontae wants out of L.A. and to the Jets. Like, How are you going to finagle that one? Salary cap gymnastics, my friend. It's ridiculous. Someone's dude. doing it, and they're damn good. Yeah. It's – and okay. <laughs> so the Jets – so, like, um, here's my thing. So they're forming the super team, right? Yeah. And in Green Bay, if Aaron messed up, it was fine. Uh, whatever. But, dude, with this team in New York – And the media that comes with the playing dude, in a very large market. It's bad. Aaron could mess up a million times in Green Bay, and the beat writers, well, they don't care. They all just, it's Aaron Rodgers. Uh. But once he messes up once in New York, it's f- torch, dude. You think so? Yeah. it's. There's not much of a grace period. Oh, it's going to get yeah. vicious. It might. <laughs> like, Especially because, I mean, that, like, it comes with the market, right? Like, playing in a large market venue, like our city, excuse me, like that. But also because, you know, there's no long-term, like, what's his deal right now? Is he on a a one-year deal? He signed through 2025, I think. Okay, so he's on a couple of years. So, But still, like, they know their window is here. It's Mm -hmm. not – it ain't no no rookie quarterback that you have, you know, as a – you have a proven guy, but your window at making a real legitimate run at this thing is pretty small. Yeah, how old is he? Like, uh – He's I don't, I don't damn near this, 40, I think. Damn near. Old. Yeah, I don't think he's quite 40, but he's damn close. Yeah, he's getting old, and yeah. he can only squeeze so much so, juice out of the orange. This is what it, feel, it feels like is they think their window is right now, and they are doing every single thing possible to make sure they don't miss out on it. Yeah, it's and time to cash in. 
Yeah, and it's what's crazy too is when you have like a bunch of teams making these moves, mm-hmm. and you're like, "There's no way all of you think this is your window, right?" Like, because <laughs> yeah. you look around the league and kind of just gauge shit. Like, hey, wait, we should wait a couple years. Like, <laughs> it feels like it feels like everyone feels like this is their window right now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't know why that is, but yeah, that's all we've got for today. Make sure to uh, tune into Friday's show. We'll be joined by uh, Trey Vavil from Minnesota State, the defensive back there that uh, made the Shrine 1000 list. Super excited to talk to Trey. But uh, thank you, Gavin. It's been a good one, man. It's, yeah, it's been, been a good one. Pretty brief, but uh, we got some good stuff. Thank you to Corey as well for joining us. And uh, be sure to tune in on the socials. Stay up to date with all this, all things uh, doing rejects.